On today's episode of the Not Gonna Lie podcast, presented by Student Union Sports, we have an interview with recurring guest, June Lee. We talk about the MLB restart, some challenges they might face, uh, and then we talk a little bit about Patrick Mahomes' contract as well. Uh, and then after that, I go a little more in-depth into it, talk about what it means, what Mahomes' contract means for Dak and Deshaun, what it means for the Chiefs, who really won it. Uh, and then after that, we get into some storylines from the NBA bubble, and then we'll finish off the episode with part seven, or part two, excuse me, of the divisional power rankings with team record predictions. All right, let's get into it. Welcome everyone to another episode of Not Gonna Lie. Like I said, I'm your host, Jonathan Terry. So excited you could join us on, well, for me, when I'm recording this, it's Sunday morning, but for you, it may be uh, whenever. The beauty of podcasting. Uh, before we get into the interview with June Lee, I just want to remind everyone that we have a good opportunity, great opportunity for you with Audible. Audible is, is a audiobook site that has thousands of selections, and they're offering free trials to my listeners right now. Go to audibletrial.com NGL. And get a free audiobook. Simple as that, easy, and you're on your way. Uh, but now, let's get into the interview with June Lee. We now welcome on a very special guest, recurring guest. Uh, it's ESPN's June Lee. June, how you doing? Hey, hey, Jonathan, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Always, always a fun time to get to chat a little baseball. Uh, we were talking before, and the last time we talked, I mean, it was the Astros cheating scandal. That was the big news. But we were. Yeah, it seems like full, an eternity ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like what? Yeah, years at this point. Uh, but it now it's you know the the focus has changed. There was there was going to be season before. Now it's like the plan is in place, but there are still issues that we have to overcome. So on your end, uh, what are you seeing uh, at this point as being the biggest caveat to having a season? I mean, obviously the coronavirus, but what specifically within? That will be. Uh, I think it's probably the player trust in the testing system. Uh, it's that's probably the biggest biggest hurdle, and and we'll see how that just kind of plays out over the course of this week. We've seen multiple teams have to cancel workouts, uh, and then you know I think it's really just player safety. Uh, there's been a lot of quotes just about how important it's going to be for teams to maintain the health of their players, not even just from like a phys- like from a, just a purely viral standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, teams that get fewer players infected are going to have an advantage here. Uh, and we'll see just, I guess we'll see how many people get infected. Number one. Um, but we'll also see uh, how that generally affects the makeup of the team. And then major league baseball has a, you know, a clause in the, the restart contract to cancel the season. If they believe that the competitive integrity of the season is compromised because of the number of players who, who get sick. So, there's so many different hurdles that are required for MLB and every single sports league, to be honest, to, to restart here. So uh, for me, as, just, you know, as someone who covers the sport, it's kind of a day-by-day thing right now, personally, because it's, just, it's hard to just kind of look too far ahead because we, like, as, as we just see kind of the numbers rise across the country, it's kind of hard to get a grasp of what is going to be realistic and, and how, you know, what's generally going to be possible here. Yeah, so... And we'll talk about this a little bit more later on. But the first thing, um, and this is outside of baseball, but I'm sure you've heard Patrick Mahomes signed that 10-year, $503 million deal, a crazy amount of money. But my question to you is, 
what is a skill or thing that you have that you believe someone would pay you $500 million to do? Oh man, that I nothing like I don't know nothing. Sleeping like I don't really know. I don't think anything I do is worth five hundred three million dollars. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I I don't really have an answer for that. Uh, sitting on my couch watching movies like that's okay. that's like that's been my my like number one skill during this quarantine. I think so far. Okay, yeah. See, I want to ask that question to people and see see what answer. And it may not be necessarily. Uh, something worth $500 million, but something you're so good at that you would be basically the highest paid player or the highest paid oh, person. Oh, definitely just sitting on my couch and watching movies. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that, for me, that's probably my number one skill set so far. It's been very valuable during the pandemic. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you there. I think I may give you a little run for your money in that department, but, <laughs> but, but we're, we're close there. But yeah, so obviously a huge deal. Um, going into that, is there a player... Uh, at this point that you see in the MLB that could eventually reach that $500 million threshold? Because obviously it was Bryce Harper uh, or excuse me, Mike Trout uh, that had that number, but now it's, you know, hundred was it $70 million away from getting there. Is there a player right now that you see that could hit that mark? Uh, I thought that uh, that player, no, I didn't necessarily expect Mookie Betts to get $500 million in free agency, but I expected him to, you know, at least give Mike Trout a run for his money in terms of the total value of his contract. Mm -hmm. And obviously just given the circumstances and what the market is going to look like. I, like, I don't even know how Mookie's going to approach free agency at this point. Um, just because, you know, he could easily, he could sign a one-year deal and, and bet on himself again, or uh, he could sign a long-term contract. So uh, Mookie's kind of the obvious answer to that. Uh, I think if you're looking at young players, Acuna is probably the player that I look towards as someone who probably has, you know, the potential to be a top five player in baseball for a really long time, mm-hmm. uh, and, and be, and be a superstar, uh, and just given his, just his, his season last year and, and what everyone has, uh, has talked about him in terms of just his, his raw talent for a long time. Uh, if when we're looking at young players, that's probably the guy that I would look towards the most as uh, someone who might be able to, uh, who at least has the potential to mm-hmm. maybe get to that place. But that's you know, there's Mahomes is like so unprecedented in sports in many ways, just because you know people expected him to struggle out of the gate, and he was immediately the best quarterback in football. So uh, yeah. I think I think Patrick Mahomes in many ways is kind of an unprecedented sports contract in, in so many different facets. Yeah. And the crazy thing is looking at it um, is that, you know, it's a lot of money over a long period of time, but it may look like a bargain in year six, seven, eight as the cap increases, um, which is, I mean, it's great, great for both teams, but I bet they'll restructure if he continues to, to play at this level. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, you you just saw how many times uh, the Patriots and Tom Brady restructured over the course of his time with the Patriots and how uh, he needed to just kind of restructure his contract to make sure that he had good teammates around him. So, mm-hmm. you know, Mahomes seems from a character standpoint, seems like someone who would probably do the same thing. So I'm sure that this is not the first time we're going to be having a discussion about Mahomes' contract as we move forward in the next uh, 12 years or so. <laughs> that yeah, he's going to, no. you know, hypothetically be on the Chiefs. Yeah, no, I was, I was reading through the whole thing and it's like, there, there are just so many caveats to it. I mean, it obviously goes way over my head, uh, but yeah, let's get, let's talk some KBO here. So I did read the power rankings at the beginning of the year. I mentioned on the podcast, um, but like a lot of fans that cover like a wide variety of sports, unfortunately I kind of fell away from it a little bit. Um, but let's talk. So I was telling you before, I recognize this, this background that you've got here. Cause I've seen it 
uh, in the games I've watched in the KBO. Talk to me about how that process came about of writing articles for the KBO to being on uh, calling games during the during the middle of the the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, so when the KBO stuff started to pop up, I, I texted one of the executive one of the executives in charge at ESPN on just the baseball stuff and who was involved in the negotiations. And uh, you know, it was just for me, it was just as as someone who is obviously has some connection to the KBO. You know, I had my contacts there. I made sure to forward all of them to to the folks who who were the decision makers. And it's been really cool just to see. Um, you know, as someone who was born in South Korea to see just the country have this kind of platform in the United States for for a sport. Uh, so that's been, that's been a really, really cool experience. Uh, and obviously, you know, I'm not I'm not a I wouldn't call myself a KBO expert like I, I I live in the United States. It's very hard to catch those games on a year to year basis. But mm-hmm. I, I definitely peripherally followed it. I, you know, I have people I've, I have uh, contacts in the industry who are very involved in the KBO. And so and so it's been it's been really cool just to see. Uh, the league get that kind of spotlight and uh you know the thing that i the thing that i miss uh or the thing i wish that uh was being spotlighted right now about the KBO is just the crowded environment obviously it's just given the circumstances of the global pandemic it's impossible to to get crowd kind of the typical crowds that you would expect there but you know it's been it's been awesome just to see uh the league and the country get that kind of spotlight you know i've had an opportunity to write a couple of different features about the league uh, you know, I wrote a story about Kerry Maher, who's uh, who's a super fan for the Lotte Giants, and I've gotten to write about just the culture of the league, and and gotten to talk to some players who have had experiences in the league, and, and that's been really really cool, just to you know kind of shine a different kind of more of a personality spotlight on the league as well. And then you know I've I've had a, a couple of opportunities to hop on the KBO broadcast with uh, Book Shambi and Eduardo Perez and, and Carl Ravich, and and that's been a blast. And uh, uh, you know, I, Boog, I think gave me my first opportunity when, when he was, uh, when, when he was kind of prepping for, for all of this, just kind of give a primer at the beginning of the KBO seasons to Korean culture and Korean baseball culture. And, you know, Boog was, was, uh, texting me a lot of different Korean baseball player names and I would just send him, you know, iPhone voice memos, uh, text voice memos back with, with pronunciations and stuff. So that was, you know, it, I never really expected my, my Korean skills to ever come in handy, uh, in this job. So it's in, in, in this kind of way. So mm-hmm. it's been a, a very pleasant surprise in a lot of different regards. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's always, always good to be ready. You never know. I mean, I, I don't even, uh, imagine what you would have thought if I would have told you last time we had you on that, that this would be your yeah, I mean, like, right not not even a remote possibility that I would have imagined that this this kind of thing would have happened. So yeah. it's really weird time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So last little bit we got here, I want to talk about the MLB potential restart. So the trickiest part of this is that they're staying geographic in terms of of regions of playing as opposed to just a big bubble like we've seen with the NBA and I believe the MLS wants to do. Um, are you, what, what side do you favor? Are you saying, all right, just keep it close, not traveling as much? Or are you saying, no, we got to be all in one spot? Yeah, I just think that if MLB wants to realistically pull this off, minimizing travel is probably the best way to go about doing this. It's just, you know, there's probably, there's definitely a difference in strength of schedule across divisions. Uh, I think the American League East is probably the strongest division in the American League compared to the other divisions and those teams are going to have a much tougher schedule like I'm very curious to see what the Baltimore Orioles hypothetical record will look like if they actually pull off the season um but you know it's just it's weird circumstances weird times uh, unprecedented times and so I I really can't complain or 
have any sort of uh, complaints about just the weirdness of the schedule. I think the Red Sox are playing like seven of their 10 games against the Yankees in New York. And it's just like, it's just the kind of a reality of the situation, right? It's just uh unprecedented times comes for unprecedented circumstances and like we don't even know if the if the league is gonna be able to pull this off so Mm -hmm. there's so many different variables up in the air that's even hard for me to consider like is it fair for teams or whatever to have have these kind of travel schedules or whatever so it's just uh i'm I'm just kind of in a wait and see mode right now Mm -hmm. yeah no i think most of sports fans across america are just super pumped that we're even having this opportunity but it's one thing to read a hundred page manual on safety. And it's another thing to implement that hundred page manual uh, on safety, especially, you know, with this travel, Uh, are there going to be different things that we'll see within the season? I mean, obviously there's the universal DH rule, the three battle rules implemented, but are we going to see more tactics because of this delayed start that we may not have seen in a full 162 game season? Yeah, I think we're going to see an increased emphasis on bullpens uh, and uh, a, a decreased emphasis on starters because with 60 games, you just have less room of error, right? You just need to win as many games as possible. And 60 games can kind of be a fluky stretch of time in a baseball season. So I think uh, we're going to see really, really different approaches to relief pitching. I'm very curious to see you know, hypothetically, if, if everything is able to move forward, like how this generally changes teams' approaches to using starting pitchers and relief pitchers. Uh, You know, we've seen just the increased emphasis on bullpens over the course of the last couple of years. And so I'm just curious to see uh, how teams kind of manage that. And then uh, I'll I'll be interested to see just the, the overall increased emphasis on the designated hitter. Like I'm personally Mm -hmm. someone who was kind of fine with the status quo where you had the NL have, have the pitchers batting in the AL uh, have have a DH um, but it's obviously going to benefit the offenses in a, in a hypothetical way. So uh, I'm, I'm just, very, I think for me, the, the pitching strategy is probably going to be the most, the most interesting thing to watch. Cause I think we're going to see just the teams manage bullpens and their pitching staff in a way that we just haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And going back to what you said about the uh, Orioles playing against the AL East on the bright side, it's impossible for them to lose a hundred games. So we've yes. just got that squared away. That's, that's fine. You know, 10 and 50, Okay, you know, but but uh, we'll have to see how that goes. Um, give me a couple teams that you think will benefit off of the restart, and a couple teams that will struggle because of this new shortened schedule. I think it's really hard to make those kind of broad statements because we don't know who's going to be healthy, mm. uh, and we don't know what the testing system is going to look like. We don't know. Uh, we just don't. There's so many variables here that, like, a 60 game stretch, like. The Mets were in first place through the first month and a half of the, of the season last year. And obviously they didn't even make the playoffs. And so mm-hmm. I think it's really a crapshoot where most of the teams, I would say like 85% of the teams feel like they have a shot to at least make the playoffs, let alone like make a run at the world series. So, you know, I think the teams that are going to be healthiest, uh, I think those are the teams that are going to benefit the most and the teams that have a lot of versatile players. Like I'm very interested to see how the angels use Shohei Otani during this time, because mm. he's going to be able to maximize, totally maximize his skill set in a way that creates a, an advantage that I don't think is available to most teams uh, just as a hitter and a pitcher. And so uh, I think it's just really, really hard to kind of predict what's going to happen because it's such a short sample size and, uh, so much can happen in a 60 game sample size. It's not even half of a season, you know, like we've seen, we've seen teams go into the, the Washington Nationals last year, like at the all-star break, 
No mm-hmm. one would have predicted they would win the World Series. Literally nobody. Uh, even going into the playoffs, everyone thought like the Dodgers and the Yankees were going to win the World Series. And, and baseball very rarely, I think, plays out to kind of the conventional predictions. And so uh, it's just – I think it's uh, – this is a total crapshoot of a year. I think it's – I think it's a – I think it's a uh, – uh, just a, a an exercise in futility to even try to kind of predict what's going to happen because 60 games who the who the hell knows what's going to happen yeah well speaking of an exercise in futility I want to know who you've got going to the world series I mean this has become uh you know we're a couple weeks away so the season's about to start so this is turning into a little bit of a MLB uh season preview uh with you here so we got to end it the only way we can uh who wins who goes to the world series who wins I guess the boring answer is the Yankees. Like I'm very curious to see what Garrett Cole looks like in a Yankees uniform and whether or not he's able to kind of keep his last year. He was kind of able able to put so many things together that people have been waiting for him to put together. He kind of put together the stuff and the pitch, the pitch sequencing and the execution. um, And he got his enormous contract. He got, he put, he put together the best contract year for a pitcher, you know, in, in recent memory. And so, whether or not he's able to keep that up is obviously going to play a huge role in whether or not the Yankees are going to be successful. Um, but you know, the Yankees and the Dodgers have invested a lot into the season. And uh, this is a 60-game season. And, like, you know, a crappy first two weeks of the year could completely derail your entire year. Uh, the, the Dodgers gave up a lot to trade for Mookie Betts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to get maybe not even 60 games out of him, right? Like, who the hell knows what's going to happen this year? So. There's a, those are probably the two teams that have the most financially on the line. And so I'm very curious to see, you know, it's a boring answer, but I'm very curious to see kind of how that plays out. Yeah. And, and that's the bottom line. Who knows? Nobody, no one knows what's going to happen, uh, what, what goes on, but we appreciate you taking the time to talk with us and hopefully we can get you on soon while there's actually baseball fingers crossed, but yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on Jonathan. One of the most interesting things I think about this quarantine is you go week by week, really. I mean, unless I have an interview, uh, trying to figure out what what topics to bring up, what to talk about. Um, and and I was a little bit concerned going into this week. I was like, look, we've hit everything we could. Uh, fortunately, we were able to have June Lee on. And I was like, man, like, what am I going to talk about? And then, like a gift from the heavens, uh, Patrick Mahomes signs a five hundred million dollar deal, which is. Obviously, something we're going to talk about, you know, very important, very key. Um, but we're not just going to talk about uh, the the deal itself, you know, because we've got to talk about what it means for Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson, guys that are also going to be expecting contracts pretty soon and, and how it's shaped because it's not – the tough thing with the NFL contracts is that they're not fully guaranteed. So you look at, like, when an NBA player signs a max deal, that's fully guaranteed, and that's obvious. You know, it's, it is what it is. What you see is what you get. But with NFL players, uh, they always put the full money on the deal. But it is rare, just because of the way the salary cap works, how many guys you have to pay for somebody to play out the length of their deal. Um, but obviously, quarterback position, it's it's going to be a little bit of a different story. But it's only $181 million guaranteed, uh, which, I mean, you know, saying only uh, is, is not the best, or it sounds weird. But that's, I think, 30% of that full $500 million deal, which is a big difference for him, definitely. You know, you, th- you think about uh, comparatively, that's way less than half. Basically, a quarter of the deal is actually guaranteed, obviously barring some injury or, or something along those lines. 
Um, and the one thing that I kind of want to get out of the way now is that uh, it's not it's not really going to be five hundred million dollars. I think you know it sounds good in the media. He hit that half billion dollar mark, but the deal itself is ten years, four hundred seventy seven million, with a one point two five million dollar incentive for one for winning an MVP and then one for winning an AFC championship game or basically going to the Super Bowl. Um, he's not going to win MVP every year. He's not going to win go, go to the Super Bowl every year. So obviously those right there right away are, um, that's not going to happen. You know, he'll be lucky to hit $480 million. Um, but it is interesting to see how, I mean, you really got to read into it. I read a great piece from Bill Barnwell that kind of frames a lot of what I'm going to talk about. Um, in this in this um, discussion, but the media loves, especially in NFL, the agents love to get that the full money in the deal out there. Um, but there's so many intricacies that go into this, and even this deal is no exception. Um, but but yeah, let's get into it. So basically, how it breaks down is the first five years fully guaranteed. He's getting all that money, um, and then every year on the year before. So so let's say. He, he plays the 2027 season, or a little bit down the line, tears his ACL midway through, um, and and the Chiefs are like, man, he's a liability. We don't want to pay him anymore. Don't think that's going to happen, but obviously just going through a hypothetical. Uh, the Chiefs would still owe him his full salary for the 2028 season because once he plays a snap in the previous year, the year after it becomes fully guaranteed. So uh, there is that, what was it, guarantee mechanisms um, was that word that, that was thrown out there. But I think Adam Schefter, when discussing the deal, that's what guarantee mechanisms mean, um, is basically um, the, the year after it becomes, or the year before it becomes fully guaranteed. Um, but another thing with this deal is, I don't think Mahomes plays plays out the life of the deal. And that's not because, uh, you know, the, the Chiefs are going to cut him or anything like that. But think about it now, he's getting roughly 47 $48 million a year, um, which is great money. But come 2026, 2027, when the new uh, revenue deal hits, when the new TV deal hits, that's that cap is going to spike in a big way and guys are going to get paid a lot more. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see year six, year seven, they come back to the table and say, okay, let's, uh, let's restructure this deal. Let's get him some more money because it's going to be, he's going to be going from one of the highest paid to average, I believe, in the next few years, obviously, if everything goes right financially. Um, and, and that's why I think it's a team-friendly deal. I think they've got, um, obviously, they've locked up the quarterback position, which is a huge need for any team ever. Um, so right away, they're already on another level in that stamp, from that standpoint. Um, but also, it's, it's going to be, you know, like I said, in five years, this is going to look like a good deal, and they're going to have to, to uh, restructure probably, and he's going to get somewhere up there. But it gives them some nice flexibility. It's not killer, and they are signed. They've they've been given the best quarterback in the National Football League for the next decade. I mean, that's it's a pretty good deal. So let's talk about what it means for for Dak. Dak Prescott. Uh, I think we're getting close. Yeah, we're three days away from that um, deadline to to sign the franchise tag or work out a long-term deal. It seems really unlikely that they get a long-term deal done um, at this point, and, and Dak has signed his franchise tag already. But a couple of things with this. He's not coming to the table for anything less than 35 because he's getting 31 this year. He's getting 39 if they tag him again. So that starting point is 35, but it's not even about the money. And we've talked about this before a lot. 
It's about the years. Dak wants to be able to cash in on um, on that that TV deal, on the new revenue deal, and the Cowboys want to sign him long term and get some some you know get his money squared away so they can continue to pay guys because they've got a lot of guys to pay. Um, so Dak, I feel like it doesn't really change his view a ton. I think he's going to get thirty five million plus, um, and he's hoping for two to three years, but realistically, you know, it, he may end up, I think he'll sign for four, but I think they're going to have to give up more money. Like it could be in the $38 million range uh, over four years. And then for Deshaun Watson, I don't really know. I mean, you look at uh, Bill O'Brien and his style, he's given up, um, he's given up DeAndre Hopkins for basically nothing. Uh, well, the the expensive contract of David Johnson. And then he signs Laramie Tunzel to $4 million above a year above what the last left tackle was signed for um so we could very well see deshaun watson into the 40 million dollar range i think he's worth it i think you got to pay quarterbacks but at the same time the bottom line is you look at why the patriots were so great they did a couple of things really well one tom brady was was when they were winning super bowls tom brady was not the highest paid quarterback in the league i don't even think he was in the top 10 right two they knew what guys to re-sign and what guys to cut before they became invaluable. Like great example, Jamie Collins signed a three-year, like $30 million deal with the Browns after the Patriots let him walk. First two years, he was great. Uh, he started to, to tail off a little bit, was cut by the Browns and signed with the Patriots for the minimum. Um, and third is you have to draft really well. And I think the Chiefs draft really well. Uh, I, I think they're going to have, they have a solid core group of guys, but their biggest issue now Chris Jones wants an extension, and he just watched his teammate get half a billion dollars over 10 years, uh, and I imagine he's a little pissed off. You know, it wasn't a big deal for them to get this deal done. Patrick Mahomes still has two years left on his rookie deal, um, but Chris Jones, if I'm Chris Jones, you got to be a little bit upset, and maybe there's a chance he walks. You know, I don't I don't know what the, uh, what the situation looks like, but it's not ideal for Chris Jones. You know, you feel undervalued a little bit but he is probably the best player on that defensive line and he was he was a menace all through the playoffs he was the reason why they really won the Super Bowl not Mahomes um it was his defensive presence that kept the the Chiefs in the game for Mahomes to get that con uh comeback going so big deal fantastic uh love it for love it for the the Chiefs love it for Mahomes Love it for basically everybody. I think this is one of those rare win-win-win type of deals uh, and something that we don't see very often in uh, in the NFL. But that's all I've got on the Mahomes deal. Let's move on here to a little bubble headlines. Um, team, guys are starting to move in. It seems like all the coaches were cleared. Some were concerned about Alvin Gentry, Greg Popovich. They were medically cleared to travel, so they came uh, to Orlando, or they're on the way at this point. Not too sure, but couple of just interesting things. I, I was watching a, a video uh, from ESPN reporting from the from the bubble, and Reggie Jackson said that Montrez Harrell brought a portable sauna, which I was like, huh, that's very interesting. Never heard of a portable sauna before, but and and you know how do you even move that sort of thing? But basically, it's it's a tent like a, a or it's almost like an outhouse tent, but it has a heater in it. Um, and, and that's what he uses and they're pretty bright. I think it was like 3000 bucks. The one I looked at, so they're, they're not too cheap, but, uh, yeah, it's interesting to hear a lot of guys perspectives. Some brought game consoles, uh, their own snacks, you know, whatever the case may be. I don't know who said it, 
but it was described that the players were eating uh, adult Lunchables is what it felt like at that point. So I wonder if this is going to be how things go for the rest of the time. Um, John Morant, they asked him about it. He said, he, he had one of the better quotes is like, my room's fine. The food's fine. Everything's fine. I'm not a silver spoon type of guy, which I mean, credit to him for making the best out of the situation. Uh, and someone asked Kyle Kuzma about it. He said, look, I'm from Flint, Flint, Michigan. We've had it much worse. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to see, hear a lot more of these stories. And um, this is going to be one of those moments that we look back on if it works um, as, as one of the most creative solutions in history. But I am a little bit concerned, be, mainly because of the MLS. I just got an alert on my phone this morning that a Toronto FC DC United game was postponed because of a potential coronavirus case or multiple coronavirus cases. Um, I'm a little bit nervous at this point. You know, how are they going to... I think the NBA has the best plan out of anybody. Um, they've they've isolated and and they're in a good spot, but still there are a lot of questions that they still have to answer um, and that we won't know until everybody's there, until they're starting playing games uh, and, and all that sort of thing. But I'm just excited for sports. I think it's going to be fantastic that sports are back. Um, and and hopefully, I mean, as, as a podcaster that talks about sports, I want things to work out. You know, I want there to be it uh, to be a success but who knows you know obviously safety is first and nothing nothing trumps safety at this point um, in in when it comes to bringing these sports back but one of the more interesting things and we'll get into this um, as later on in in the weeks but they they're promoting this cap smoothing idea which is something that they tried to do a couple of years back in 2016 I don't know if you remember uh, there was a big spike in salary 23 million dollars. Um, which is basically what led the Warriors to adding Kevin Durant, which, you know, if we look back on that in history, that'll be interesting to see. But they want an inverse cap smoothing because you know there's going to be a big cap hit because of, you know, lost revenue in arenas and TV deal and, and all that sort of thing. And they'll recoup some of it, but not a lot. Um, but they basically want to do an inverse where it's basically a, a slow decline um, and then it comes back up. So it's like a valley, and then it comes back up to where it was so that it's not a dramatic drop. And so some of these teams are suddenly stuck in, in um, hard cap and, and potentially luxury tax, tax because it sucks for people that have planned for this and planned this out um, because this changes their plans. You know, It changes everything completely. But the financial side of things will be interesting. I heard the owners want to start the season December 1, which basically means there is little to no room for error. There's no set date. But they want to. They're they're targeting December one. Uh, if the season ends October twelve, that means they basically have roughly a month and a half to get things going and start the new season. So anything that messes up, anything that screws them up, they're going to be struggling. But that is that is all for now. NBA talk. As we close out the show, let's do part two of the divisional power rankings. This week is the NFC East. So the first team I've got winning the division, the Cowboys, going ten and six. Um, obviously they've got some issues. They're not a perfect team. Um, but as far as talent goes, I really do believe they're one of the best teams in the league. Um, you look at offensive line, running back, wide receiver core, that's top five, top three, maybe even the best in the league. Uh, when you look how it's structured, obviously they signed, um, Andy Dalton to be Dak Prescott's backup in the event that something goes wrong, but they have an interesting schedule. It's, it's, I wouldn't say it's terribly difficult, but there are some tough stretches, uh, they open the season in LA playing the Rams and they go Falcons and then they go to Seattle. Um, 
and then just scrolling down here they go they have a stretch where they go vikings redskins that's a little easier at the ravens at the Bengals, that'll be a bit easier uh and then they close out the season 49ers eagles so i've got them going 10 and 6 i think they're going to lose a couple of these games um that they that they should win um but they'll win they'll be look they'll look really impressive in a couple other games uh and then the next team team i also have going to the playoffs at nine and seven is the philadelphia eagles now their schedule kind of the same boat they have a couple tough stretches nothing insanely difficult they have um they go 49ers steelers ravens giants cowboys first stretch and then the tough one this is the 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 real difficult one is at the browns home against seattle at the packers home against the saints at arizona and then at dallas um which is you know that's that's that last stretch at the end of the season and that cowboys game could be the the decider in the division uh and then the bottom two teams the giants and the redskins i both got going four and twelve um i mean yeah they're they're not you know we've talked about it they're lower on the power ranking scale um, they've got a couple tough, tough stretches here looking at the Giants' schedule. They'll start off the year Steelers at the Bears, 49ers at the Rams, at the Cowboys, Redskins at the Eagles. Um, and then they close out the season at Seattle, home against the Cardinals, home against the Browns, at the Ravens, and then home against the Cowboys. Uh, and then for the Redskins, let's see, any anything tricky here? Um, they go They go at the Cardinals, at the Browns, home against the Ravens, home against the Rams, at the Giants, at home against the Cowboys. So, but I mean, both those teams are going to struggle, definitely. Um, I'm excited to see who starts for the Redskins. Is it Kyle Allen? Is it Dwayne Haskins? Is there a change uh, halfway through or at some point during the season uh, to to one or the other? So, um, yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We've got a great interview coming up this week with the Horse Hoops podcast. We get them back on uh, and their new host, So it'll be fun to talk with them. We'll talk a lot more about the NBA bubble, some more of these storylines going into the season. And guys, we're close. We are very close. Sports are coming back soon. uh, And they they already are back with the MLS, but I'm, I'm very excited. Finally, some more stuff to talk about. But thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll see you next week.